0: This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. Hey, my name is Ken Ard. Welcome to No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. I want to tell you a little bit about what No Stop Lights is about. This is our first ever podcast. Our podcast will be uh, some political, some not so political. There, there's an old saying about Seinfeld. Seinfeld is a show about nothing. No Stoplights will be a podcast about everything. I'm a former Lieutenant governor of the state of South Carolina did not leave office under my terms, uh, was caught up in a political scandal, um, led me to be removed from office. No shame in that. Self-inflicted friendly fire, so to speak, uh, led to my political demise. Um, Other opportunities presented themselves. I ended up with a radio show. Uh, Radio show ended up, as we are today, with a podcast. Uh, The name of this podcast, No Stop Lights, is a... um, is a reflection of where I come from and what I believe in. Um, why in the world is No stoplights be the name of a podcast? I'm a college dropout from a town with no stoplight. The reason that I continue to repeat that self-deprecating humorous line is when I ran for lieutenant governor, I was a Republican in a very Republican-rich state, um, South Carolina, home of the Fighting Gamecocks, uh, home of the Clemson Tigers as well. But as I ran for office, it was obvious to me, that everybody running with a Republican or with an R beside their name was going to lower your taxes, better educate your kids, build better roads and bridges, and, um, and just put humanity in a better standing. I felt that I needed to create some um, version of contrast with myself and the other um, opponents. A little bit more about uh, myself. I-, I ran for county council in Florence County, South Carolina as a Republican in a county council district that had never elected. A Republican. Uh, I ran as a Republican against the advice of the two uh, most influential men in my life, my father and his brother. They advised me to run for uh, run for county council as a Democrat. Switch parties. They do it all the time. Nothing to see here. But but I really believed in certain truisms and certain political theories that had influenced my life. uh, That there was one problem with my running for county council. This would have been in two thousand four. I was not a registered voter. I didn't register to vote until I turned 40 years old. Uh, The first person I ever cast a ballot in favor of was yours truly. Um, That's kind of an odd path moving into politics. The majority of political um, elected officials have paged for the right judge. They have clerked for the right Senate. They have um, joined either the National Guard. They're an Eagle Scout. There's so many um, checks in so many boxes that politicians have to – know, I have to uh, pursue, proceed, and, uh, and accomplish before they're eligible to run for elected office. I chose quite the unique course in that I was not a registered voter until the age of 40. Um, I ran for office successfully as a Republican in a district that had never elected a Republican. I gained a bit of notoriety. I gained a bit of respect for the business community, having been in the private sector my entire life in a family uh, business. And in my second term, a group of influential South Carolina business leaders came to me and asked me to consider running for a statewide office. I ran for lieutenant governor, um, having never witnessed a single session of uh, of South Carolina State Senate. I used the um, uh, the, 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 the saying or the catchphrase that the first session of South Carolina Senate I ever witnessed, I presided over. Uh, That's pretty unique, pretty different but I've taken a very unique and different course or path into politics. Back to my career as lieutenant governor. Once again, when I ran for lieutenant governor, I ran as a Republican from a not-so-Republican-rich area of our state. Uh, and, And as I said earlier, everybody running in my field talked about tax cuts, talked about better education, talked about conservative government, talked about fiscal restraint. And I noticed that I was getting muddled in, in the field of competition, nothing unique, nothing contrasting about me or my candidacy. So I coined the phrase, a bit self-deprecating, that I'm a college dropout from a town with no stoplight. The town with no stoplight is Pamplico, South Carolina. Pamplico, South Carolina is a small uh, bedroom community of Florence, South Carolina on the way to the beach. And as part of my political campaign or speech, I'd say if you if you've come through Pamplico, and not gotten a speeding ticket, consider yourself blessed because that's really and truly how we balance the budget in that do-nothing podunk town um, just outside of Florence in the eastern, uh, really the northeastern part of South Carolina. But I successfully got elected lieutenant governor of the state of South Carolina against some pretty significant odds. I had a, a state judge and former state senator. I had a very accomplished member of the General Assembly. I had a, uh, a banker and, and someone with a lot of political experience. And some way, somehow, um, we were successful in winning that election in 2010. I actually ran the same time Governor Nikki Haley got elected as governor of South Carolina. South Carolina, a little bit unique. We elected a governor and a lieutenant governor separate of one another until recently. They've, um, they have merged the offices recently, and the governor and lieutenant governor now run under one ticket But when I ran in 2010, we were separate of one another. Governor Haley ran her campaign as she saw fit. I ran the lieutenant governor's race as I saw fit. Um, I didn't do things exactly the way you're supposed to do things and got removed from office. Uh, Once again, nobody's fault but mine. I accepted the um, the punishment. I was um, guilty of campaign violations, campaign finance violations, in that I infused some of my personal funds into the campaign In a way the government does not allow um i joke around that if i were to ever run for office again i'm not but if i were to ever seek public office again my campaign slogan and bumper sticker motto would be it was my money then it's my money now and i'll spend it the way i choose but i learned the hard way that you can't do things the way you want to do things at all times so uh, i was found guilty of campaign finance violations i resigned from office as part of a plea deal um, and I came back home to Florence, uh, a little bit skinned up, a little bit bruised up, a little bit concerned about where did I go from here? There were some local business leaders in town that inquired about me providing, um, some services to radio. Um, I'd never been in radio in my life. In fact, the, um, uh, I'd never been in any sort of media in my life. I didn't go looking for a job, so to speak. Um, in fact, when the, when the ownership group of, um, the radio station came to me and inquired about my potentially doing a radio show. I said, guys, I'm not going to stop going to church, but I ain't sitting on the front row. My life is being, uh, pretty well lived to the public for an extended period of time. And it ain't been much fun for me and the family. So, um, I'm, I'm not going to hide. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed, but, but I, I'm not seeking the limelight. They persisted, and I ended up with a radio show, one hour, one market. Good Morning PD. Good Morning PD morphed into a successful um, conservative political radio show in South Carolina uh, that turned into a four-hour. Uh, it was one hour, one market. It turned into four hours and three separate markets, and we've gained some degree of success. I've I've got a partner in that in that radio show named Dave Baker, and Dave and I've always discussed. Um. What's next? I am. I'm a business person. I mean, I, I've talked a lot about my political life, my accelerated career path or trajectory in politics, uh, my political demise and and failings and misgivings. Um, I guess the way the media would describe me would be um, a scandalous, disgraced former lieutenant governor of South Carolina. I don't consider myself scandalous. Uh, I'm certainly not disgraced. Um, but I'm. You know, I got thrown out of politics. I mean, it's as simple as that. And um another opportunity presented itself, and we um we we got involved in a radio show. And once again, the radio show uh, became successful to the point of um four hours, five days a week, in three separate markets. Uh, go back to my partner, Dave Baker. We've always discussed, contemplated, considered what was next. And I remember one morning, about six or eight months ago, telling Dave Baker, that if we treat digital media as a competitor and a foe instead of an ally, we may lose. We, we, we may indeed. I mean, there, there was a day radio was a dominant media force. Television comes along. Radio is still a very powerful form of medium. But television obviously watered down some of the impact of radio. So, as a business person, I'm always interested in how to uh, be more diversified and, and make sure we're protected from whatever angle um you you may have some exposure toward so we began contemplating a podcast and in the last six months we've seriously uh, and and probably more serious than I normally do things contemplated considered how do we move forward if we indeed uh want to go digital if we indeed want to presence on the internet how do we do that um long story short that culminates with no stoplights with Kennard, it is a, I guess, a complimentary product to our radio show, um, Wake Up Carolina, six to ten, uh, Monday through Friday, in the genre of conservative talk radio, spoken word radio, is I think it's how it's referred um, to today. But, um, but we're going to give it a whirl, and um, and I've told the sales staff here, I've told um, some of the production team here, you know, we have a little credibility in radio. We started as nobody from nowhere. Uh, once again, college dropout from a town with no stoplight. We have performed exceedingly well in our marketplace, and we're going to dabble our our our, our wares into digital media. So here we are, um, introducing our first ever, uh, our first ever podcast. Wake up, excuse me, no stoplights. I'll probably do that several times as we move forward, but no stoplights with Kennard. Um, why do people? Listen to the radio show. Why did we gain a modicum of success in in the radio medium? I I think we live in a world, and 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 I want to preface these comments by the 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 voice you hear on this radio is not that of a scholarly um, and well educated political theorist. The majority of what I've learned in politics, in life, in business is as I like to say, plundering around in the world of which we all operate. Um, I see the world a certain way. The events and experiences that I've I've lived um, have led me down the road of seeing the world a certain way. You're no different. I mean, some of you may be conservative. Some of you may be liberal. Some of you may uh, perceive yourself to be somewhat independent-minded, but there's no doubt the majority of influences in your life have been the events and experiences. I read a lot, but I don't buy into everything I read. I talk to a lot of people. I don't agree with everybody I talk with. There are a lot of people out there with a lot of different opinions about the way the world needs to function and operate. This podcast will be similar to what we've done in radio. And by that I mean uh, in a world of uh, what I call rehearsed theatrics, uh, the world of politics in particular has been very become very, um, ah, rehearsed. It's not, you, you don't get a lot of authenticity. You don't get a lot of, um, of what people really believe, what they really think, how they really and truly feel about an issue. And the reason I think we've gained some success on the radio is we've been able to convince our listeners that we indeed tell you what we believe. I have something informally referred to as the busy head syndrome. The busy head syndrome is not technically defined um, by a doctor in, in any medical community anywhere. It's something I've self diagnosed myself with. And that being, if something is in my head, there's a pretty damn good chance it's coming out of my mouth. That is both a curse and a blessing. In the world of entertainment, enlightenment, and media, I have found it to be very useful that if I believe something, I need to say it. I don't need to be censored, I don't need to be guarded, I need to be respectful. I don't need to mistreat people. I don't need to miss, miss, mismanage this opportunity that has been afforded to me, and I, and I won't do that. But, but the pledge I'll make to you on day one is if you'll give us a chance to be a part of your digital world, your, your, your uh, podcast viewing community, we will, we will tell you exactly what we believe. And I guess when I say we, I'm talking about me. I'm in a studio uh, by myself. This is a little bit different than, than the radio. We will delve into very serious issues. We will delve into some um, some lighthearted issues. I hope to have a, a, a podcast or two about sports, a podcast or two about politics, a podcast or two about religion, a podcast or two about relationships. Seinfeld professes to be a show about nothing. We hope to be a podcast about everything. But as a former lieutenant governor, as someone who has put his name on the ballot eight times, never lost a race, so I'm doing something. I'm good at getting the the office. I ain't real good at holding on uh, to the office. As a result of my uh, political failure as former lieutenant governor of South Carolina. But 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 it, I've got to adjust. I've got to get better at speaking into a camera and, and talking to a universe of people who have largely never heard uh, what I've got to say. But 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 once again, I think what you'll find about no stoplights is we will say things probably in a more colorful way than most, about whether or not to cut Social Security, whether or not there's a, a fiscal time bomb waking on the other end of Medicare. I'm proud of the research I do. I understand the responsibility that I have. I'm thankful for the opportunity to look into a camera, to talk into a microphone, and, and have some level of credibility with the people that have listened and will listen as days go by. But we are going to try and entertain you. At the end of the day, it's not my job to educate. It's not my job to enlighten. Uh, if you want to be educated or enlightened, uh, find you an online class at Stanford or Harvard. But we're not going to mislead. We're, we're going to be strategic in making sure that, that if we're talking about Social Security, if we're talking about Ukraine, I'll give you a quick example. Let, let's talk about Ukraine for just a second. This would be similar to a, um, to, to a, to a podcast podcast at some point in time in the not-too-distant future. I am a a fairly conservative Republican. Historically, I have been in line with neoconservatism until recently, and I'm not giving Donald Trump all the credit. I'm an America-first Republican, and I do think Washington, I think the duopoly in Washington has failed to, 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 to make as a priority the plight of the average American. I sincerely believe that with every fiber of my being. So, so, So I've taken the neoconservatism that has been so entrenched, so ingrained into my political philosophy, my way of seeing the way the world works, and and I've questioned our involvement in Ukraine. I've questioned whether or not we're making too big a commitment. Um, I stand with Ukraine, um, whatever it takes. Those are bumper sticker logos, but we're talking about Vladimir Putin, who has nuclear capabilities, and... And, and it and is very desperate to hold on to the power he uh, attains or, or, or you know, retains on the global stage. The majority of Republican think tanks, the majority of Republican operatives, the majority of Republican pundits regurgitate the Republican creed, and it's been largely dominated by neoconservatism. We will be a voice at times very much in lockstep with traditional conservative orthodoxies. We'll also be at times very contradictory to what I call preconceived notions of what the Republican party must stand for when it is to decide, you know, whether it yings or ain't. I'll ask you a simple question about Ukraine. I'm not a Putin sympathizer. I'm not a a communist in disguise. I am a, a, a patriotic American who believes that America does have some degree of responsibility to the world around them. Uh, America is the preeminent superpower on the planet. There is no question about that. But but is your life more threatened? Is your kid's life more at risk by an insecure southern border, an invasion that includes fentanyl trafficked uh, in and out of our country, really in our country, not out of our country, but some of, the, um, uh, some, of the, some of the coyotes and others make their way. Some of the delivery methods would include in the country, out of the country. But I would ask a simple question of, of, of anybody that sat in this chair who holds public office at the federal level. Do you believe that your kid is more at risk by fentanyl overdose because we've not been serious about securing our southern border or rampant communist um, creep? And, and by that, I mean expansionist Russia taking over more and more territory, you know, taking over Poland, taking over some of these other uh, properties of the former Soviet Union. That is a very complicated debate. And I'm willing to have that very complicated debate, but I'm not willing to bless or condone a bumper sticker catchphrase that my party regurgitates time and time again. I stand with Ukraine. The hell does that mean? I mean, we're talking about nuclear armaments. We're talking about global security. We're, We're talking about billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. And I think our political leadership owes you better than I stand with Ukraine or whatever it takes especially when we have um, an invasion of our southern border that includes um, the delivery of fentanyl that is killing hundreds of thousands of 18, 19, 21, 22-year-olds. Those are the sorts of debates we're going to have on those stoplights. I'm not bought and sold by anybody. Um, I'll assure you they're not naming a college or university after me anytime soon. You probably won't see a military defense contractor as a sponsor of ours i go against the grain i'm proud to go against the grain we will continue to go against the grain but if we say something we believe it we sincerely believe it with every fiber of my being and i'll accept that the situation in ukraine american involvement in ukraine is complicated i'll accept that there be could there could be an opinion contrary to mine that carries more water makes more sense um, I I am certainly willing to accept um a different side of whatever issue we're talking about. We hope to have uh, many, many, many guests on these podcasts. There will be some interviews. There will be some of uh, me staring at the camera as I am today and talking about, you know, maybe a little more in depth social security, maybe a little in depth on Medicare, you know, the drivers of our federal deficit. Um we, we, we break down subjects and topics in a very uh I wanna say rural southern way. Uh, I, I take liberties with the Queens English, the Kings English, uh, no doubt about that. And, um, and we'll continue to do that, but what, what, what we attempt to do or what we're going to attempt to do with no stoplights is to engage an audience where they are, convince them that we are telling you what we believe, not, not as a result of a sponsorship, not as a result of some alliance or allegiance. That we have, there's enough of that mess going on. I mean, there's enough of that nonsense in media. The majority of media, you're not talking to a person who can honestly tell you what they believe. You're talking to a corporate, uh, a member of corporate society that 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 um you know that their their abilities are guided by who pays the bills. And I think the beauty of a podcast, the beauty of the internet is is everybody has an opportunity to have a forum. Everybody has the opportunity to win an audience. Will we? I don't know. We've we've been fairly successful in radio. We have no experience in podcasting. We have no experience in digital media. But I think if you'll work with us, if you'll you'll hang around to some of the issues we address, some of the topics and concerns that we discuss, you'll appreciate. You may not agree, and that's fine. You may have stern disagreements. Uh, Some of the best conversations I've ever had in my political life are with people I firmly and sternly disagree with. I don't consider them enemies. I don't consider them bad people. I just see the world in a way. They see the world in their way. And we argue. We debate. We, we have di- debate and dialogue, and we discuss some of these very prominent issues in American culture and society. But I am in a very liberated place in my life. I'm technically, the last year of a baby boomer, and, um, and and life has worked out okay. I'll say that today. could be different tomorrow, but life has worked out okay for me. I'm not beholden. To anybody in my political judgments political disseminations i'm able to say exactly what i think when i think how i think and and that's fairly liberating so in a world where everybody's scared to say nearly everything for fear of some sort of consequence woke and politically correct i mean i i want to i want to level with you today and don't say i didn't warn you i want to level with you right now that if you're woke or if you're politically correct you probably ain't gonna have a lot of time for us I mean, in all honesty, we will probably not be your cup of tea, iced tea down south. But, but if you are a, a firm and true believer in life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, I think, we can, I think we can conduct ourselves in a way that you find attractive, appealing, and somewhat educational. I don't make, I mean, I, I'll say things that you wonder whether he's serious or not. I'm not going to say things I don't mean. I do say things for effect. I do say things to engage an audience and convince an audience that we are worth hanging around with for, for an hour a day, a couple of days a week as we pursue our place in digital media. But, but it's different than radio. I've got about 11 years under my belt doing a radio show. Um, this is the first time I've ever looked at a camera and tried to do a podcast. Uh, it's probably pretty obvious, but we will get better as we did at radio. I I just plead with you to give us a chance to to have a conversation, a debate with you about the issues that matter to me, matter to you. And and if we can do that, uh, I've done what I want to accomplish. And I hope that you've gained something by hanging around with us for however long you choose to hang around uh, with us.